My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. Welcome to the Vicious Circle, uh, Sid. How are you? Been? How are you doing? You look much better. Well, I feel a lot better, man. I finally got over that. Uh, that um, I guess it was, you could call it a uh, respiratory infection, and uh, man, that had me down for a little bit. But just in the last few days, I've been kicking out of it. Of course, the pollen count has dropped here. Of course, our, we're having a big heat wave right now, but. The pollen count has dropped just a little bit. And that helps because, like you said, you're like in a center for allergies. Well, what it is, I've explained to you, Rob, the, the weather coming from the Gulf, you know, that's down south, uh, you know, where, you know, say Pensacola, Panama City, that's the Gulf right there. And then the pressure from that coming up to us, and it starts right here where I'm from in Marion, Arkansas, and we're right here on the Arkansas-Tennessee state line. And so the, almost the depth of Tennessee, and it starts right here, Tennessee, is where the highest pollen count in the United States is. And it goes across to the East Coast. As it gets to the East Coast, it actually depth, you know, the depth gets deeper. It gets a little deeper as far as the states involved. So it starts off again about the depth of Tennessee, and it goes to the East Coast. It gets wider. And again, it's from the high pressure coming down from the north, and it's squeezing right us together right here. So it's like, you know, one day we have, you know, 20 degrees and the next day we got 90 it's just it you know the trees and the bushes and stuff don't know how to react you know so i mean i've woke myself up a couple times just wheezing you know but it's gotten a lot better but the deal is i've told you about this too is that i've been not just me if you're in the um this part of the country the doctors say if you don't have allergies you will have allergies and that's just how it works they will find you they find you, man. Yeah. When you were here, you saw how hot it was. Oh, yes. Like I said, when uh, Pete and I came down for that first one, we were asked, how's the weather? And it's like, well, not much different, but we hadn't got out of the car. The minute we stepped right. out of the car, it was like a wet, hot blanket hit us in the face. Yeah. And it's like, wow. So, yeah, I, I, can, I can definitely see it. And then when I came down the second time, like you said, it was like stepping into a dryer. It was so dry. And that was only a matter of two weeks. Right. So it's crazy how the weather changes right where you are. But I'm glad to see you're on the mend because it kind of fits right into our topic today because a couple people have written in about your workout schedules, like how you kept so fit because you were a physical specimen in that ring. You were a monster, huge. So people have asked, what did you do? So I thought we could get right into it and find out how you got to where you were. Sure. So when you were growing up, um, like you said, you, you started thin because you were you sprouted and then went out. When did you actually start working on health at that point, like like working out? When did I first start work, working out? Yeah, like when did you first start taking that kind of serious tone to exercise? Well, it's probably, Rob, as we've talked about it, probably right around – a little bit before the deal with the football deal, I, what it was, I told you about, I think we talked about before, a guy named Randy, Randy Pettigo, 
I had met who that's when I was really skinny. Then he's the one that really got me going. And into that, right after that is when the football trials came. And so in between that year and a half or so, I really pounded some weight. But I didn't ever look like I did as far as Sid Vicious or Sid Justice till later on about that time. <clears throat> but just um, um, so after the football thing, the wrestling thing started, and I knew that was more of a visual than the football. The football, I was going to be offensive lineman, and I could afford to um, hold a little more weight. You know what I mean? So in wrestling, it was just the opposite. You had to put on size, but you had to, you know, be in shape, you know, look good too. And that was one of my goals is to look as, you know, as good or if not as be- better than anyone else. So I think your question a while ago was how did we I get like that and what did it take to get like that? Rob, honestly <clears> – <throat> I've been told this, okay, I'm no doctor, but I've been told the workouts that I eventually got into were equivalent to like a car wreck that you were putting your body through that much trauma. And the only thing I can really compare it to, if you were, say, training for something really special, like maybe um, maybe tra- training for a prize fight or maybe something more intense than that because we had to do it for so many years, maybe like training for the Olympics, you know, where you train your whole life, and that's really what – wrestling was was, was really a, most of the time for me it was you know if you counted the television matches it was three five minute matches and on the you know long end of the deal was maybe 15 to 17 you know on average so um so you trained you know eight hours ten hours a day for 15 minutes or five minutes you know so i, I really compare it to training for some like in the olympics that you just never took a day off i didn't and i did this you know like sometimes if if willing, if I had the time in the morning was I'd start my first workout at five and work out around seven, seven thirty, then go straight, you know, have a I'd have a meal in my bag with me, go straight and run bleachers for a couple hours and run hundred yard sprints and agility drills and then um go home, take a nap and go right and do it again at the same time, you know, again that day. Okay. I- just to jump back, just a hair then. So before the football tryouts, you really weren't into that kind of. I, I, we know you were sports active, but that was about the extent of exercise for you. Well, the thing is, is for the football thing, I just had started working. You know, just like anyone else that got their first <clears throat> set of weights, <clears throat> and then you know that's where it started. I actually, you know, I've got my first set of those little cement weights, and I'm doing that every day, and then I've then. You hear about jogging, you know, that, that was uh, all the time I worked out was I, I think I enjoyed running or things like that just as much. Um, when I found out that sprinting was a better friend to me, I, I quit the long distance running and just ran, you know, sprints or just ran bleachers, you know, something like work the fast twitch muscles and you didn't run your muscle off, you know, because you couldn't run bleachers enough to where you're going to lose weight because it, you know, bleachers will stop you, you know. So, um, but that's where it started right there. And then, uh, Randy was trying out for the team too. And he got cut before I did. And, and then right after the football thing, I was, you know, just getting the last cut with the showboats when I met that promoter from Eddie Bond. I can't remember his name right now. And then that's what got me into wrestling. But again, you know, my first stint in wrestling, I look back at it. I was a big guy, but not anything like I was, you know, my very first, say my second year in WCW, you know, at Sid Vicious and I probably for my lung surgery, I was at my biggest. 
you know, and I don't have many pictures of that. Every once, it's been a long time ago. I was in Virginia years ago, and I saw I was in the gym, and I saw a picture of myself that I had taken in the gym with the owner. And man, I was big, you know. So, and the thing about the lung surgery, what it took out was this: where I couldn't do chin ups and stuff like that. And believe it or not, the chin ups were, you know, one of the two, three best overall exercises for developing muscle. And the back being the second largest muscle <clears throat> in the in the body, and you lose half of it in the surgery, you can't really get that back. Yeah. So, I was probably in my best shape. You know, right before the lung surgery, and then I probably had gained everything back, you know, um, right before or right as I got into the WWF. Okay. Well, then let me ask you, um, because like you said, when you were training for football, it was definitely different than your training for WCW and, and Continental because wrestling is a visual sport. How did your workouts change? Like what, what was different from what you did before to what you did after? Well, in the football stuff, you know, we were doing, you know, you know, just heavy weight lifting, just, you know, again, just minimum running and stuff like that. When I got into wrestling, I wanted to be, you know, you know, I never wanted to blow up. I wanted to be the best condition. And then to get into the best shape, Rob, as far as you gain as much muscle mass, you have to be, you know, you have to have your conditioning because from my understanding, there is no such thing as a second wind. It's who recovers first, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I think that's a myth. If I'm not, again, I could be wrong on that. But so I knew that, and I saw that like in the gym where I'd recover and other people would be tired, and I could put another hundred percent into my next set. So that was my goal was to be able to put a hundred percent into my very last set, even if it was a my second workout of the day, and this was you know six hours into working out. So the tra- you know that's when gears changed. So wrestling was a different sport. I know, again, I'm going for the visual and also being, you know, again, this, this was your life. And so yeah, you made this a routine and that made it easier. Right. And we were, ta- right. we were talking too about food because your diet right. has to completely change. No, it does, Rob. That's the thing is, you know, and I'm going to sit here and drive everybody crazy with this, but you know, it takes a lot of, a little bit of knowledge to understand diet and, I won't go into deep with it, but say, for instance, again, I, I read this, and it doesn't mean that it's 100% true, but say, for instance, fruit. When fruit's really bad for you is when you eat it last, say, after a solid meal. Then your body can pull the simple sugars from it we really don't need. So fruit eating is designed that be before your meal or as a snack in between meals. You really don't get the simple sugars you don't want, so – but there again, I think fruit was very important in my life, and I think it showed. But you know, that's why I was always so filled out. So I start my day with a huge bowl of fruit, and then um, half a dozen eggs, two servings of oatmeal, and let that digest, and then do that again before I even went to my first workout. And I think we talked about it earlier too um, before we started the show was, you know, I think minimum four grams of protein a day would be seven or eight hundred. And I mean, that is a lot of protein. Wow. Yes. So how, how would you do that for breakfast? Or is that like the oatmeal? Well, I just, if I was home, I'd cook it or my wife would cook it. If, if I was on the road, I'd just sit there at the restaurant and eat it. Now on the road, I would sit there and eat two breakfasts. I'd have my breakfast go and come back, you know? Okay. And then uh, you would also mention too, when you're on the road, that sometimes you would just get 
a massive amount of like the potatoes or right well what we do is i told you, you know, say for instance here in the this part of the country there used to be bonanza or western sizzling or ryan steakhouse something like that so we went to a place like that sit down had something to eat then we might take two or three of those meals with us now i carried a bag with me all the time and you know protein shakes in it and rice cakes and bags of tuna you know, little cans of tuna and blah 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 and if if um I had to find a place like that or something. Well, wherever they, you know, any restaurant, I take, you know, just a simple six or eight chicken breasts with me and then, you know, maybe four or five potatoes with no butter on them, just eat them like apples going down the road. But you had to continuously fuel yourself like that. Um, and the whole deal, we've heard this before, and it's, I think it's really true, is where it's not, you know, one meal like that. you got to have like six to eight meals like that a day just to really give yourself the chance to grow. Now, is that to grow or is that to replenish what you're working off while you're – Well, that's the thing is that's a that's sort of a catch-22 there. You, know, you do um, – excuse me for the noise. Um, you got to have you – know, most important times of carbohydrates right before a workout and afterwards. And the what, what reason afterwards is you, you actually slow your body down where it's not burning lean muscle mass. And there's a period there if you don't have some type of carb, that's what happens with the body. It will start doing that. So, again, having a little – you know, what you want to do in fitness is, in my opinion, is because most about things about fitness is called myths, theories, and principles, and that says we're just guessing, okay? So um, if there is some facts out there, and the very few facts in fitness usually lie on the diet side of things. So you want to incorporate those things, and, and you find out that really, man, working out is important, but your diet might be the most important well, yeah, if you're not fueling the machine, the machine can't operate. No, and you got to realize, too, you know, the more you weigh, the more, you know, grams of protein it takes, the more, you know, grams of carbohydrates it takes to start that machine and cool that machine down. And Okay. So then you had a, you had a, a great regime going because, you, you, like you said, by 5 a.m., you're already sweating from your first workout. Right. And then in WCW, you had the, the injury that, that punctured your lungs, so you had to have that surgery. How did your workout change after that? Like, other than, you know, not being able to do certain things, how did you get your body back to want to do that? You know, honestly, I never, I, I never slowed down, Rob. Um, I don't remember ever thinking in my life that, okay, you know, the doctor, the doctor that did the surgery – it actually said to me that I'd never wrestle again. And, um, but his father, who was a surgeon too, came in and said, don't listen to that. It's going to be tough, but you, you, you probably can do it. So again, it wasn't a for sure thing. So I had that back in my head. And, uh, so I just said, you know, I've got to beat this somehow. And for a while, I wondered when I look back on it too, Rob, you know, when at the age of having that surgery, even though I was still young, you know, at 26, 27, the body starts slowing down then. And so that was a tough deal to have that, you know, but I was able to come back from, from the hard work. What kind of things did you do to help get ready to actually start the heavy, heavy workouts again? Rob, it started really simple. I mean, at the beginning, I actually only walked the length of the driveway uh, before I couldn't breathe. And that, again, that's how bad it was. And then, the old guy that lived behind me, my was my softball coach. They he would walk over when he got off work, and we'd walk the length of the driveway. And the next day, we'd walk two doors down and 
four doors down. I remember finally getting to the stop sign and getting to the half a block and then block. And then as that creeped on, I, I think I finally started being able to drive and then get myself to the gym a little bit. But in the beginning, just really to answer your question, I was just doing little bitty baby steps, you know, and, and just not, you know, not giving up. I don't, I don't ever remember the thought of giving up. I just remember that I knew this was going to be tough, and but I can do this. I think maybe the scariest thing, go back to the softball deal, which got me in trouble, was when I went back and they said, no, man, you need to go back home and gain some more weight. <laughs> I knew that I was in a tough deal. Well, yeah, you know? if, if you have that sitting in the back of your head already and that's the first thing they say to you, yeah, that's got to be a bit of psychological stuff going on. Well, I guess too, Rob. You know, I don't remember it being that for me. I just remember, okay, I'll go. You know, actually, I was glad to be able to go back because I knew I wasn't ready either. You know, and if uh, people look back on that, I actually, when I came back, I was wearing a singlet because I really didn't look the same for a long time. And until Dusty came in, and I finally started getting my bill back, and he sent word through Magnum telling me to take that singlet off and go back to regular tights. So how long was it before you actually got to the gym after that, before you can actually start to do what you do? Rob, I'd say just to get back to the gym, just to you know, ride a stationary bike, it was probably four or five months. You know, It took a long time just to get to the end of the driveway. I'm not kidding. It was uh, – because you got to realize you know, that's, your, your lug's – Lung is sold up, sewed up. It takes a long time for that, and then have all been shut down for so long. It just, I remember this again, just not being able to do it, or just leaning over to get a drink of water was exhausting. I'm not kidding you. That that was, a, I remember getting over, leaning over to get a drink of water. It was just before I could get back to lean, you know, lean back. It was like all the energy it took and the pain was just incredible. So once you got back into the gym, what were some of the small things you started doing at the gym to get your body ready? Well, again, the first thing was just trying to get my, you know, where I could walk across the room. So it was just doing stationary bike, you know, and again, I think I tell people this and I, I believe this is probably true is that circulation is the pretty, I think the biggest word that should be used in fitness is if we can get our, you know, circulation to our bodies and, that's going to, you know, supposedly give us longevity in life and stuff like that. But that's what I was trying to do is get my body circulated and get blood going to all my, my extremities. And then, you know, and then also knowing that and believing in muscle memory. I knew I was there before, so I, I, I knew it would just, you know, take a while to get back to that. And you got to realize, too, that one of the downsides of having surgery like that, you asked me earlier about steroids, is you can't do steroids when you're in recovery like that. You won't recover. So I couldn't do steroids for a long time to even get back to that look. Of course, we all know it had a lot to do with steroids. Really? Uh, what, how does that affect the, the healing process? Because me thinking about it, that would accent it. That would help speed it up. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just remember the doctors telling me that. You know, saying, okay. we know you've been using. Um, we're going to ask you not to use right now to all these things inside heal up because they don't heal up as fast as when you're on steroids. So I remember that. And that's, you know, this was scary knowing that part of my lung had been taken away and sewed up. So I'm not going to argue with doctors. I always use doctors too, Rob. 
I never did steroids my whole life without the use or uh, consulting a physician. Oh, that's right. You did tell me that. It was all prescription-based. Right. So you finally got things back, and you're now back in the WCW, and then you go to the WWE. And I guess it's kind of like going from AAA to the majors, comparatively at that time. Did anything change in you as far as workout or exercise or anything when you decided to when to go to the Fed? Well, through my whole life, I, I just you know what you do in fitness, Rob, is you find out you know things. And this might sound stupid to a lot of people. We get all our information mostly from the the Northeast does too, from the West Coast as far as fitness and the new fads and the new ideas come from there. And so when you heard of something new, you just elevated your game and. You know, Rob, I never slowed down and never had a reason to not think I couldn't get faster or stronger, and I always did. And so, you know, I, again, just never – I guess really what I, you're, I think you're looking for is I never put limitations on myself. Never said I can't do this or can't do that and um, find out having that thought about things by not putting limitations on myself, I, I was able to achieve some pretty big goals in fitness. And you know what? I think – I was asking the question. I didn't know what the answer was, but you're 100% right. I, I wondered if you were giving like 80% in WCW and then you jumped it up to 90, but you always give no. 100. Well, that's the thing is, the, oh, I know what you're probably really trying to get to, or maybe this might answer you a little bit. I don't know if we ever talked about it. Rob, the hardest thing for the human body to do is to gain a pound of lean muscle mass. Now, you tell me how many pounds of lean muscle mass do you think you could gain in a year? You know what? I'm going to give you the answer I gave you before because I remember this question, and, and I thought it was around 25 to 30. No. And again, I could be wrong on this, but I think it's more like three or five. Right. And that's for someone like me who had a lot of muscle to put on and a lot of area to put it on. Um, so again, that and then having that surgery, lung surgery, that slowed me down a little bit. So it just took me a little longer to mature. And I, I do believe this too as well is that, Tall people like myself is a little harder to mature, and little you mature a little later. So that's another reason you don't give up. But by doing that and sticking to it, and never, you know, pulling off the throttle for my workouts and my theory about things. And two, Rob, like for instance, when I first, maybe this might again um, be what you're looking for. Say when my first run with WWF, you know, I was still running bleachers, but I wasn't running for two hours like later on. You know, I, I'd run for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then that became an hour, and then it came an hour and a half a year later. And so, I mean, I kept adding to things like that, you know, because, uh, again, it just – I don't – you know, again, I'm putting limitations on myself. So that's what it is. It's just kept you know, kept working harder. You know, when you start getting a little more muscle mass, you can, you know, put more on. And, you know, I had a few little setbacks, a lung surgery, then had bicep surgery, and then a few little injuries here and there. But, again, it's just – Really, it's just not giving up. Well, and then now, I think our last one, we're going to talk about that biggest injury that you had in WCW when you, your leg broke. Because that, you got to first heal that, like your lung, you got to heal it, and then you got to start to recuperate it. How did you right. deal with that? You know, Rob, again, I think we might have talked about this a little bit before, is that, you know, when I broke my leg, again, I'd never, of course, you, you don't ask questions, you don't find out, but I just assumed that this was going to be, a, you know, like a any fracture. You know, once you get your boot off and get where you can get around a little bit, everything come back. Well, 
I had this really weird gait to my running and my walking. And so I'm working and working and working and working. And finally, I found out walking and running bleachers were easier than walking or running on flat ground. What it was, I found out later that my left leg was an inch shorter, and that's what it was. So I just got where I was about running about 80, 85%. And then just got to where I was to a normal gait, something normal. And then I pulled my hamstring and then went to the doctor and told him what I was doing. Then they finally told me, said, Sid, you're not going to ever run again. And I'm like, wow. You know, so I, you know, after <laughs> worked for two years for this and they found out that that wasn't going to work anyway, that was a pretty tough deal. So what I had become, Rob, was a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest. Now, I remember, like it was yesterday, I remember going to the gym in the mornings on the way to the gym before 4.30 in the morning and listening to some shit on the radio. And I'm just pounding the steering wheel going, you know, why me, God, why me? And then just screaming inside of my truck. And uh, I remember, just like it was yesterday, you know, this is before I started studying or finding out about religion. Um, and I always had this sort of sense of humor, too. I went, God sort of told me, he said, well, you got to give everybody a chance to catch up with you. So I said, yeah. man, God's got a sense of humor. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God, that's awesome. So I never forget that. It was like 4.30 one morning going to the gym. But that's something too, Rob. I can't, you know, I can never imagine giving up. Like right now, I don't have a clock in my bedroom. I wake up every morning at three thirty or four in the morning, every morning, ready to go. You know, okay, your internal clock is just ready to go off. Right. That's awesome. So, um, if we had to get any last advice, like people that want to have the best workout routine they can have, what would be a couple suggestions you would give them? This is what I'd say. Um, what I've learned, you know, working out is important, but also saving yourself, you know, give yourself longevity. You don't want to, say, do the type of workouts I did, like, you know, that this really one day will eventually set you back. I'd say if you're dieting or you're starting to get into working out, don't go A to Z. Go A, B, C, D, E to Z like that. Because what happens, I found out someone who's, I don't think, I think you can talk to all the people who rode with me. I don't think anyone worked out harder than I did or as often as I did and dedicated as much as I was and stuff like that. But when you get to Z, people, you're going to face one of two thing, things, <clears throat> physical or mental burnout. It's that simple. Meaning physical burnout would be an injury, okay? And a mental burnout would be, okay, I've got to Z and I can't go any farther. You know what I mean? So it comes a time like that. And I, I, I remember what was happening to me where my bench press wasn't going up anymore. And when I look back at it now, I was, you know, 38, 39 years old. I wasn't going to get any bigger or stronger anymore. But I remember being confused about that, going, man, what is going on, you know? Uh, and it's just age catches up with you. But I tell people, don't get, again, don't go A to Z, man. Um, work on the simplest things. Work on longevity in the gym. Um, remember it's all about circulation, um, uh, things like that. Unless your thought or your idea in life is to be a, a bodybuilder, which bodybuilding is just almost a, a thing of the past and wrestling, we can look at it now and see that it doesn't matter what your body looks like. So, I mean, why do steroids? Why lift too heavy? Because, you know, doctors I have talked to, <clears throat> one of them was, um, with a doctor, it was a pharmaceutical rep that actually, uh, 
they dealt in selling joint replacements and he saw some surgeries and he, he said he was just a, a jog for just a hobby. And when he saw some of those surgeries, he quit, you know, really? it, it didn't hit me then. Yeah. So, I mean, it didn't hit me then, but now I know what he's talking about. You know, all those millions of bleachers I ran and stuff like that, man, there's no way I could do, I don't even think I could walk a bleacher right now. Well, like you said, it's a, a car accident to your body. It is. Time. You know, that's something. Rob, I remember that like yesterday. It's like I come in from a workout, and of course, you know, one of the most important things about working out is you have to have rest. You know, so when I was home, that was a big deal. I'd come home and um, crash out. Even if I didn't go to sleep, I'd lay there for an hour or so, and my body would just twitch so hard. Sometimes it'd rattle my teeth from muscle spasms. You know? Wow. Okay. I'm not kidding. I just be laying there. Go, wow. Just my whole body would jump out of the bed like the exorcist. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Sid, thank you so much for this information. I know, like I said, we've had a couple people ask questions about it. So I think this answers a whole lot of those questions. Good deal, Rob. I hope everybody got some answers. Yes. Well, let's go to a question now. My time is yours. And for our question this week, we have Adam from Belfast, Ireland. Adam, what have you got for us? Okay, Sid, the question I've always wanted to ask you about you is, uh, in the 90s, the two big factions were DX and the NWO. Uh, You were never a member of either, of course, so if you could have been choose to have been booked with either one of them, which faction would it have been? Probably the NWO, and I'll tell you why. I think it it reached a higher uh, success. You know, I think it was new. Uh, the DX thing came after the NWO, so it was like they were copying them, and everybody was sort of riding the wave of the NWO. It really, the NWO did a lot of things, guys, for the business. It made the business relevant again, stuff like that. So it would have been fun to have been part of something like that. Now, again, uh, Adam, I don't like being a part of a lot of things. I had a chance to be a part of Team Madness when I came back to WCW. I said no to that. I, I'm, I'm pretty much like doing my own thing because one of the reasons is, is this, is that you know, this is a tough business, and, and if you only have to depend on yourself uh, to be there and, not to, and you know, stuff like that, it's a lot easier. And I'll give you a weird example. When downtown Bruno was my manager, is Lord Humongous, and there's this isn't a serious thing, but this is a, something simple that later on it can get worse, is that I was Lord Humongous, and I had this, this hood over my face, and um, I was trying to get to the car, and Bruno started talking to some friends of his, and I couldn't see, so... I just got in the car and you know, was heading out. I was going to leave him there where he ran down the street and got caught up with me. But that's what happened is that I, don't, I didn't want that responsibility of, you know, I was fixing to get jumped by the crowd at the car and I can't get him to come to the car. I said, you know what? I just want to get out of here. And actually on the way home that night, I, I started it. He got real upset with me. I was going, I told him, we get to Birmingham, we're going to talk to Robert and I'm going to get you not to be my manager anymore because I don't want to depend on someone. There's not going to be there. You know, I mean, if I get to my car, I can leave. You know what I mean? Now, that was a silly little uh, example, but that was the first one I had to go on. And then, again, if you're just doing your own thing, you don't have to worry about 10 or 15 other people. Thanks a lot, Adam. And uh, I guess, Sid, we'll get ready for our next episode. Okay, man. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.